This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. You're listening to Live and Learn with me, Dashran Johan. The Minister of Law, Dato Sri Azalina Othman, has said that an online system that allows children to report crimes is in the pipeline for next year so that those who feel more afraid to make a report in person can do so online. So on this episode, we're going to be discussing the problems children of today face in the digital space, the need for a reporting system like this, and how this system should function. Joining me on the show to unpack this is Sharmila Sekaran. She's the co-founder of Voice of the Children. Welcome to the show, Sharmila. Thank you for joining me. Hi. Thank you, Darshan, for having me. So let's start with an overview. What are your overall thoughts on this um, system mentioned by the law minister, Azalina Otman, an online system that allows children to report crimes? Oh, you know, I think we're wholly supportive of this. It's a positive move. Um, you know, there's a certain amount of stigma and embarrassment connected with crimes committed against children, um, on especially online, uh, but generally, especially sexual offences. So, you know, um, being able to report online, being able to have a little bit of anonymity uh, in reporting, um, I think, you know, is the right way to go because it might hopefully um, making it easier and convenient for crimes to be reported. Uh, hopefully the numbers of reports will go up and we'll be able to do something about um, making the space and Malaysia um, a safer place for children uh, because, you know, the internet and, and the cyber world is very much a world that children inhabit and uh, one that they perhaps understand. Um, so, yes, you know, but but I hope that it will also include others reporting on offences against children, you know, not just for children to report mm. offences against themselves, but also, you know, people like you and me, if we come across something online, uh, that we don't have to go down to the police station, that even as adults, we can, you know, fill in the form, it goes into the system and it's taken care of. So before we discuss this particular solution uh, or the system in depth, let's talk about the problems. What are the challenges that children are facing um, today, especially on the digital space? How are they vulnerable? Why would we even require to think about solutions like this? You know, increasingly, we see that the digital environment or the internet space um, is very much a fundamental part of children's lives. Mm -hmm. um, wherever we go, as the minister rightly reported, uh, reported in, the, in the media, um, you know, you see children on mobile phones, on iPads. Um, they're constantly connected to the world out there, the, the cyberspace. Um, but, you know, um, cyberbullying, sextortion, you know, um, risks to their privacy. These are very real risks um, of that space, uh, which children encounter on a regular basis. Um, the problem with the cyber world is that a lot of it can be done uh, anonymously, hidden behind many layers. So, you know, a child bullying another child or, or children bullying another child, um, if it's done physically, we can perhaps identify the, the bullies. But when it's done online, um, you know, it's it's much harder because there are a lot of layers and, and, and anonymous ways of of uh, interacting. And it might be much harder to trace the bullies um, and to take care of, of that issue. So um, these are some of the risks. 
But, you know, um, it is also important for us to remember that children who are vulnerable already are more susceptible to being exploited, abused, and it may even increase the risk of them becoming trafficked. Mm. Um, so there are a lot of real threats to the child and, and the child's uh, well-being. What do we know about the online behaviours of children in Malaysia? And I ask this question because I think many of us, um, perhaps many listeners, grew up in a very different world. The internet came into our lives at a much later stage. Um, like for me, someone who grew up in the 90s, the internet came about when I was... I mean. It was there when I was young, but, you know, really using it, um, mobile phones and all, it's like until I was... Accessibility. Yeah, you know, it was much later, you know, when I was later as a teenager when I started to get engaged in social media. Um, and, you know, my first smartphone I only got when I was 20 years old. You know, so it's it's a very different world, I imagine, that children today grow up um, grow up in. Um, what do we know about, you know, the, this world that they're growing up in and their behaviours online? Yeah, um, so easily close to 92% or more of children from the age of five. So we're talking wow. about very, very young. Right. Uh, you know, you in your 20s, you're an adult by then. Right. You've already been taught certain um, ways of keeping yourself safe from, you know, not being allowed out without a responsible adult at the age of five to slowly being allowed to go out on your own with your friends. Um, and then you can just go out on your own, right? right. In your 20s. Um, but at the age of five, they are already inhabiting the world out there. In a sense, almost unsupervised because, mm. you know, we do see a lot of children kind of, they just grab the parents' phone and they're on it, right? And the parents are busy talking to friends or busy with their own work at home on, on, on their computers and uh, the internet. Um, easily 92% of children from the age of five have used the internet or have access to the internet, um, more often from a smartphone, not necessarily having their own uh, laptops or computers, mm -hmm. but you know already the smartphone can do so much and a lot of people are discarding um, your big PCs mm -hmm. at home. Um, and, you know, from the age of 13, again, a similar number of students or, or young people have access to social media accounts, um, whether it's WhatsApp or Instagram, TikTok, uh, Snapchat, YouTube, right? And, and also things like um, Line and Telegram. So, uh, you know, children from a very young age are already out there. We know that um, a lot of the social media platforms um, like, for example, uh, Facebook, require a child to be over the age of 12 um, to be able to join. But we also know that children just, I mean, it's a very simple process, right? right. They ask you when you create your social media account, are you um, over the age of 12, right? Or you have to key in your date of birth. Children know this. And so what they do is they put in fake information. Right. They state that they are much older than they actually are. So we know that children from the age of nine and 10 already have their own Facebook accounts um, and social media accounts or WhatsApp as well. Um, children are also taking hand-me-down devices, mobile phones, smart phones, you know, from parents, from older siblings. Um, very few parents actually ensure that whatever is handed down is completely clean, mm. right? Has been 
wiped clean, they've gone back to the manufacturer settings. So a lot of the, the smartphones and smart devices that children are accessing even for themselves, um, not borrowing a parent's phone, right? But this is my own phone. Um, already have information in there, which maybe the child should not access, should not be allowed to access. So, you know, um, it is, it is uh, deeply worrying um, if we do not have the right kind of knowledge as adults, as parents, um, and also the wider social um, protection for children. I love the way you phrased it earlier, because I, I don't think I've heard it phrased that way, right? In the sense that we remember growing up, our parents being very strict with us. Uh, not all parents, but many parents, at least they will tell us, you know, at this age, you just go go out with us. Only when we are with you, then you go out. And then as you get yeah. a bit older, they said, okay, you can go out with this this particular um, person we trust. And then, um, you know, as you are early, uh, late primary school, maybe 12 or early secondary, you're like, okay, now you can start going nearby with your friends. And then at, later on, it's only when you're 15, 16, which your parents stop, you know, really monitoring these things, right? And they're like, okay, like, you, you want to go out with your friends whenever and things like that. But even then, it's not whenever. It is you have strict curfews, you have strict comeback time, and it's only after your university or during your university when you move away from home, oftentimes that you get to do quote unquote whatever you want and, and come back late and, and so on and so forth. Um, but and the way you phrased it about how the ch children today at five, six years old, they are already exploring the world out there. Um, it, that, yeah. that was so so powerful, I think, the way you phrased it. So with with that in mind, Sharmila, what are child protection laws in Malaysia right now, um, is it sufficient? You know, Dashan, our laws, um, by and large, are good, are strong. Hmm. Yes, they can be enhanced. Yes, they can tweak, be tweaked. But what is really lacking is the enforcement of those laws. Hmm. Um, you know, for some reason, we keep going back to a default position in terms of enforcement utilizing much older laws, for example, the penal code, hmm. which um, has its uses, but it doesn't cover the full gambit of issues which um, affect children today. So, you know, um, in 2017, um, we enacted Malaysia, right? We enacted the Social Offences Against the Child Act. Hmm. And those detail, they list a whole bunch of um, offences against children, sexual offences against children, um, which unfortunately we're not utilising to full effect. Um, there are aspects of the law, again, which can be enhanced. For example, um, the requirement for mandatory reporting. Again, the laws already have that in place, but the Child Act, as well as, as, well as Sexual Offences Against the Child Act, already require mandatory reporting. But we know that a lot of people are not reporting. Um, I, a lot of it, I think, is due to how reports uh, need to be made today, which is why this announcement by the minister is absolutely you know, fantastic. It's the right way to go. Um, but also, like, you know, um, investigation of offences against children. Um, we, we do not have the software necessary mm. to conduct a lot of the online offences against children. For example, stuff that's happening in the deep net. 
um, or the dark web, um, you know, um, things like, for example, which usually are sexual offences um, and exp ex sexual exploitation of children. Um, and there's a lot of sexual abuse material available, which we're not shutting down and not shutting down fast enough. Mm. So there are aspects of the law that need to be enhanced. But um, at the outset, we also really need to utilize fully the laws that are available and, and make people more accountable in this regard. Also, working a lot more closely with the people who provide the online platforms, the services, right? Um, social media, as well as generally what is available on the internet via blogs and, and things like that. You mentioned, you know, one of the problems being the, the reporting system that we currently have. Let's talk about that a little bit more. Um, the, the law minister as well highlighted challenges with the traditional police reporting system. Can you elaborate on the limitations of the current reporting methods? Yeah, to put it frankly, it's a drag. <laughs> you know, you've got to take yourself down to the police station. Right. Uh, maybe wait in line because a lot of other people are there. Um, and then, you know, make a report, file that report. Um, oh, sometimes they'll say, oh, you have to then meet the IO, the investigating officer. You know, the person who takes the report is not the investigating officer. Mm. That's your first or preliminary report. Then you go and meet the investigating officer. Again, that person may not be there. So you may have to meet them on a different occasion, uh, which may require you returning to the police station. Sometimes even getting to the police station and, and finding space to park. Certainly the ones near me, not easy to find parking. You've got to park across the road, walk across a busy street. You know, it, it's not easy to go and make a police report. Right. So you only make a police report if you absolutely have to. For example, you've met with a car accident and, you know, you need it for your insurance or you need to file a police case, for example, or it. Uh, you need it because someone has stolen your, you've lost your wallet, someone has stolen your wallet, and you need to make a report about your IC, you know, things like that, things that are, that you really need to make a police report, then you will go. But um, things where, for example, you know, you, you witness something, okay, am I going to take time out of my schedule, out of my day to go and make a police report um, because I've witnessed something? Maybe not. Right. For a lot of people. Absolutely. Uh, so making it easy, especially when it comes to children, um, taking our responsibility, generally our social responsibility to protect children, to ensure that children have a safe space, a safe nation to grow up in uh, is important. And making it easy to report offenses against children, violation of children, um, so that more people can report and we don't have the excuse that, oh, you know, I was I, I saw something, but I had to rush somewhere else. Um, making it easy um, will really help, I think. Let's go for a very quick break. On the show with me today is Sharmila Sekaran, co-founder of Voice of the Children. We will continue this conversation after these messages. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is Sharmila Sekaran, co-founder of Voice of the Children. And we're talking about a new online reporting system that's in the pipeline, which would allow children to report crimes in a safer, more efficient manner. So Sharmila, before the break, you talked about how 
you know, um, going to the police station and, and making a report in the current sort of landscape, the current um, options that we have right now is... Um, to put it very simply, mafan, as people, most people would say, right? Um, you know, it is exactly that. Even we, we feel that even when we want to, you know, go and make a police report after a car accident, many people contemplate, ah, do, is getting the insurance even worth it? Might as well just, you know, send it to a workshop next to my house without going to the police station because of all these things, right, th- that, you, that you sort of um, highlighted before the break. So one can only imagine um, when it comes to, you know, things that are more serious in nature. So then the question, I, I also want to talk about this other aspect, right, because many reports have highlighted how there's also often this fear of reporting due to concerns about shame. Could you contextualize this for us? Yeah, but, you know, also for the child, Mm -hmm. for a child to make a police report, the child has to be taken by someone. Right, absolutely. They need to be accompanied by an adult to get there. Right. Which means the child already needs to reveal something, you're absolutely right, something which they feel embarrassed about, Mm. something which they are not maybe quite necessary ready to talk about mm. and deal with the reaction from whoever the adult is usually a parent and the parent will go ballistic um, and get upset and you know there'll be a lot of drama surrounding <laughs> all this before we even get to the police station right. so a lot of times the children may not even want to talk about it to a responsible adult right so um when we uh, make online reporting something which is easy and necessary, um, two things will happen. One, the child will be able to make a report much easily, Mm -hmm. more easily than having to go with a responsible adult. Um, And two, it makes it more uh, convenient for adults who observe something to um, um, make a report and for action to be taken. Um, the other thing is it's also important to know who is going to receive the report. Right. Uh, not all police right at the front desk are equipped to handle the kinds of offences against children that we are talking about. Mm-hmm. It's um, much less bullying, um, also sexual offences against children. Uh, very often we also hear that police sometimes, you know, at the front desk already start passing judgment passing you know making remarks right are you sure you want to make the support it's very difficult it's this you don't know for example cyberbullying um you don't have the name of the person it's going to be very hard to investigate you know things like that so already a child who or person who is already a little bit reluctant and uncertain about whether they want to make a report is put off making the report mm-hmm. at the police station right um, having a system, online system, where perhaps it, you know, trust needs to be built that's going to be handled properly, right. but where you don't have to deal with all this, right. you don't have to deal with kind of negative remarks, you don't have to deal with someone who may not fully understand the way the child is feeling when right. they make the police report, what they've gone through, um, kind of will help the child get over that fear of making a report. You know, all I need to do is put in certain information and then that's it. The report is done. Right. Someone else can pick up on it. You know, um, that would also really help the child 
one, feel empowered in terms of taking whatever has happened to him or her into their own hands and be able to make that report themselves without having to encounter a lot of other chatter and noise. But also, for a lot of children, once the report is made, sometimes there's a sense of um, relief mm -hmm. that problem has been passed on. Uh, but I think it's really, really important also that children feel that once they've made a report, and whoever also, all of us adults, that once we've made a report, it's not gone into a deep hole. That action has been taken, that um, whatever I have reported is going to be handled in the right way, dealt with, and more importantly, shut down. Right. So let's unpack that a little bit. When we are talking about an online reporting system, how I mean, you've sort of given a broad strokes of how it should work, but who exactly, like you know, what exactly will it will it look like, um, um, and and who will these children be reporting to essentially? Is it are, are we talking about you know if they face something, then then they go to a particular website and and fill up a quick form? Um, what are we talking about here exactly? You know, Dashan, I mean, that is what we are not very clear about mm. because, um, you know, the minister just announced it. Right. We don't have the full details of what this the Malaysian system is going to look like. But certainly, you know, um, the minister did make reference to um, overseas, to Canada, right. US, I think, and uh, Australia. Mm -hmm. um, and if we learn from them and use what they have, really, it is... Um, um, a form, an online form, which is free. You just go to the website. Right. Um, and that's important that we need to make that website um, easily accessible, known. Um, you know, you need to kind of know where to make that, the name, right? right. Where to make the report to. Um, User-friendly, doesn't crash. Absolutely. <laughs> right. um, and the reporting needs to be uh, uh, easy. Um, also, the information around the reporting. So people need to feel comfortable making a report. So, for example, is it something that's going to be um, where I have to give information about myself mm. making the report? So let's say, taking me, for example, I'm an adult. Um, I see I'm aware of something happening to a child, exploitation of a child. Um, I may not want to give, I may be a parent, I may not want to reveal my identity. So already, when I go to the website, that information needs to be made available. Um, you don't have to give your, it can be anonymous, you don't need to give your information, your, your details, if you don't want to. However, if you give your details and your information, we can then get back to you and, and give reports back to you as to what has happened, what we've done. For example, right? When they report the incident, um, it needs to have, um, it needs to be easy. So once you fill in certain information, almost kind of um, leading questions, but also multiple choice questions mm -hmm. where you can just click certain, you know, drop down lists, you click certain information and it's there. You don't have to key in and fill in too much. Right. Um, I think it's also important, especially having children in mind, um, to have um, a way where the child can shut down 
the report very quickly. Say, for example, if they don't want a parent to know that they're making a report right. and a parent comes into the room or they want to, or they're making the report um, in a public space, but they feel that someone is watching them or, mm-hmm. or coming up onto them, that they can actually shut down that report very quickly, but go back to it at a later date, mm-hmm. uh, later time. So this is some of the um, things that we need to ensure Um, But also to provide other information that, for example, if something is happening to the child, that there are people they can actually pick up the phone and talk to. So, um, um, you know, like, for example, phone numbers that they can contact, as well as, for example, if they're feeling suicidal because of this, who they can uh, contact immediately. Um, Also, easy access if, for example... Um, we know of someone who is in immediate danger. What do I do? If I go to this, I must also be able to kind of have access to someone if the child is in immediate danger. So, you know, information like that that is available at a one-stop place on the, you know, on that reporting um, website, if you like, um, would be important. Earlier you mentioned um, how, you know, there is also... You know, because I think in Malaysia, um, you know, sometimes you come up with good policies, good ideas, um, and we launch it. It's it's that follow through that ends up becoming the problem, the implementation, what actually happens on the ground. So I mean, we are still waiting for more details, but on this particular um, you know announcement made by the law minister, but. From in an ideal perspective, of what should happen in terms of what happens after this report is made? Because, uh, like you mentioned earlier, um, there are many police officers who are perhaps not well trained in this regard. Um, you know, when it comes to you know um, crimes against children, especially sexual crimes and and things like that, they 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 haven't gone through the sensitivity training or perhaps um, lack the knowledge in terms of how they should approach um, these cases. So. Once the child makes this report, in an ideal situation, who should be on the receiving end of this report and how do they carry that forward so that these cases are actually, you know, there are, there are sort of a moving in the direction towards trying to be solved and, and, and so on and so forth? You're absolutely right. I mean, we need a team trained and equipped to handle these cases. Um, at the first instance, if we know, for example, that a child is in immediate physical danger, um, there needs to be a team comprising of social welfare and the police who go and basically extract the child or, or go to that physical space where mm-hmm. the child is and secure the child, ensure that the child is safe. If the perpetrator or, or abuser is in the home, say, for example, that that person is removed from the home and and the home is then a secure and a safe space. Um, But also um, we need officers who are trained and equipped to handle the online sexual um, receipt and and viewing and handling when it's online sexual, child sexual abuse material, right? Um, And that is where we're also lacking two things. One, the people need to be trained to handle it. Number two, some of the material is actually, um, I, I, I really don't know how to describe it. It's its brutal, it's gross, it's its 
it, it's I don't know the worst kind of adjectives right, that you can think of it and you know you have to remember pe- these are pe- human beings who are going to have to view this kind of material on a regular basis to deal with it mm-hmm. and um, to shut it down there needs to be a system to also conduct debriefing for them because right. one it can affect them mentally two it can affect them and and emotionally but two it can also harden them mm. you know when you see too much too often you then kind of just oh something which isn't as bad as you've seen before oh this is nothing you should see what i saw the last, yesterday right. right that kind of conversation then or or emotion then happens so uh we need um a team of police who are really trained and equipped to handle child sexual abuse material um and to investigate it and to shut it down but we also need to be made aware of the fact that um you know we have received received our police have received complaints from um police from other countries mm-hmm. the richard huckle case is a good case in point um there have been other cases subsequent to this where we have not taken the necessary action um from inf- the enforcement perspective so having the right people trained and equipped is fundamental to also making the reporting um easier because you know if you don't think things are going to be taken seriously if you don't know that your report is being taken seriously if it's not handled properly so investigation happens and then we get the oh you know we could not find the ip address we don't know who's behind that um therefore the person is still within our midst and but we can't do anything because we don't know who it is um you know that trust needs to also be built up so speaking about having the right team i think this brings us to um what the the law minister uh, dr shri azalina otman also talked about which is a child's commissioner's office um from my understanding again um we need more details but from my understanding so far it seems like this system will be parked under a child commissioner's office that is also in the pipeline pipeline what is a child's commissioner's office and and what should its function be so of course you know we've been asking for a child a children's commission and not right. just an office right. but we're very very happy for a child commissioner's office mm-hmm. to be established um we understand that it's going to be um an expansion under the suhakam act mm. so um you know that's fine but uh it needs to be equipped with the right people we understand that perhaps um we will be getting three child commissioners um which is great uh, a great step up from the single um suhakam commissioner with a, a profile for children right um which is how it started um so now to actually have a child commissioner and now to move on to have a child uh, commissioner's office is really um wonderful it needs to be independent it needs to be able to answer directly to parliament um and not to a ministry but having the right people the 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 staffing of this office is also important they need to be people who know and understand children um who are who know how to work in a child friendly way um we need children to also um you know uh kind of uh, speak into this office right to to um 
to make sure that it is a supportive environment mm -hmm. for children where they are able to be to feel supported um it also needs to have sufficient um powers to uh, kind of strengthen um interagency development so you know the agencies do work together but they still approach things from their own perspective so the police um social welfare for example uh, when it comes to to uh, sexual offenses against children and and other offenses against children we also have the uh, scan team in, in the hospitals um these agencies or, or departments are meant to work together but very often we see from a practical perspective that they approach things from their own agency um, viewpoint or vantage point, so which we find a little bit unhelpful. So we're hoping that this office will be able to also speak into um, the way the interagencies work together and to strengthen it um, so that children are then um, better protected. Um, it is also important, for example, for, for the office to ensure that services are available for children also in the remote areas, right. um, more rural areas. At the moment, a lot of services are available for children in the cities, in mm -hmm. the Klang Valley especially, but also in the larger cities. So, you know, Penang, Johor, places like that. But children in the smaller states, um, more rural states and more rural locations, geographical locations, Sabah and Sarawak, for example, um, do not necessarily have um, access to a lot of the services available. So it's important for the commission to also look into that and, and to ensure that um, the, the, this office is able to reach the children in the rural areas who, who perhaps are less um, protected. But it's also important that this office is able to receive um, inquire, conduct some level of investigation and require reporting back from the agencies that investigate um, complaints made by um, public, by children, um, you know, and, and something like this placed under the, the this office, um, this online reporting scheme um, placed under this office. The office needs to be empowered to follow up and receive um, reports on what basically follow up on, on the investigation on what has happened and be able to report back to the people through um, data reporting what has happened. You know, we've received so many numbers of, um, so many complaints of bullying, say, for example, cyberbullying, so many complaints of availability of child sexual exploitation and abuse material online. Um, what has happened to all this, right? Um, so that will then give people more, um, trust in the system and hopefully increase the number of reports and hopefully again you know the whole cycle of making the online space and also the the physical space a safer space for, for children and before we wrap this conversation up would you have a final message for us you know um we're so grateful to uh minister azalina yb azalina for moving this forward she's always been very very supportive of children and ensuring their protection and you know taking this now the reporting online um you know really our gratitude to her more ministers need to get on board with this 
uh, protecting of children, we need an all of society approach, um, not just one minister, not just one ministry, but you know, all the ministers, all of society, all of us have responsibility towards our children. Sharmila, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Dash. That was Sharmila Sekaran, co-founder of Voice of the Children. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan, and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.